and welcome to the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. Each week, we'll lean in and learn together what it means to live it well. Yeah, and you're going to hear from some amazing inspirational leaders, mentors, and friends that have impacted our life on a personal level. Leaders like John Eldridge. You've got to know your story. What was it I once dreamed of? Suzanne Stabile. Once we can accept our difference we can find what we hold in common. And Aaron Nequist. We wanna be a community that doesn't just believe things about Jesus, but learns how to rearrange our lives to put his words into practice for the sake of the world. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad you're here. Let's get started. On today's episode, we're talking with Neil Tomba. Neil's been the senior pastor for 17 years at one of the most well-known, well-loved churches in Dallas, Texas, Northwest Bible Church. Yep, years ago, Neil discovered two of his greatest passions, having conversations about Jesus and spending time in the great outdoors. And a dream was born in his heart. Neil decided loving Jesus meant more than just listening to sermons every Sunday. It meant taking risks and sharing the Jesus he loved through conversations with others. In summer of 2019, Neil will be cycling across the United States, where along the way, he intends to engage in conversations about faith and Jesus with individuals from all walks of life. We know you'll enjoy diving into Neil's story and hearing the birth of this courageous dream. Here's Neil. Well, Neil, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Chris and Jenny. It is a privilege to be here today with you all. Well, we're excited to jump into all things Neil and your story and what you've been into. But for our listeners who don't know you yet, would you take a minute and just tell us a little bit more about yourself and who you are, what you do? Okay, I am the senior pastor at Northwest Bible Church in Dallas, Texas. I've been the senior pastor for 17 years, and I've actually been here for 22 years. Wow. And, and you know, when people ask me this, I love to tell that old little picture when they say, how'd you become senior pastor? I said, really, the story is this. If you see a turtle on a fence post <laughs> and somebody says, how did they get there? You say, somebody put him there. God put me here. <laughs> And the amazing thing is, if you see a turtle on a fence post for 17 years, you say somebody was holding that turtle there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we are really excited to hear about this big dream, this latest project that you're working on. But first, we'd love to just kind of get to know you a little bit more. Tell us about your background and kind of how you came to faith. Yes. So I... Um, moved to Louisiana when I was 15 years old. And Louisiana was a great place for a 15-year-old who wanted to party. (laughs) um, You know, um, they didn't check IDs and convenience stores, and you get the idea. Yeah. And and I um, ended up at the Harvard of the South. That's Louisiana State University. Mm -hmm. And my roommate and I, we were really good at putting on parties, and that got me to become president of our dorm. And there was a guy who lived down the hall from me, and I would walk in their room. I wouldn't knock because his roommate was my favorite party buddy. His name was Greg. He's on a couch reading a leather-bound book. And I said, what are you reading? He looked at me. He said, the Bible. I put my hands up like he was holding a gun. And I said, that's cool. Everybody ought to read the Bible. And that guy ended up leading me to Jesus. 
Wow. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yes. So, so do you guys still have a relationship today? Are you guys still connected? We still do. He is actually a pastor in Maryland, not far from where I actually grew up. And he has been just a, a, a super encouragement in my life. That's awesome. Is that where you met your wife as well? So, yes. So I become a believer at LSU. And I'm involved with crew. And back in those days, I'm an old guy. It was Campus Crusade for Christ. And I see this gal running hard after Jesus. And it was all I could do just to try to keep up. And after one date, I told my roommate, I think I'm going to marry this gal. He thought I was crazy. And um, there's a lot more to that story. But after a year, we really started getting serious and got married 34 years ago. And her name is Vila. It sounds like Sheila with a V. Vila. Nice. Yes. That's beautiful. Vila Tamba. Vila yeah. Tamba. Pretty nice. cool, huh? <laughs> That's really cool. So, so okay, so you're just like, all right, you're on fire. You love Jesus. And you're like, I got to go serve. And you decide, okay, I'm going to go serve these college students yes. because my life was changed here. I've got to do this. And so kind of tell me a little bit about that path. How did that all unfold? How long are you with crew? And then what, what doors opened up after that? So I went on staff with crew because I loved just having conversations with people about Jesus. And coming to Christ, being the president of that dorm, I had friends who thought I was crazy, who were mad at me. I, I was mm -hmm. impeached from being the president <laughs> because yeah. I just got to where I was like, some of the things that I was doing, I said, you guys, I can't support these anymore. And it was so great because guys would ask me questions about this. And then they would say, you're nuts. And then I would say, well, how do you think somebody gets to God? And they, I remember this guy, Steve, looking at me and saying, I don't know. I guess you got to know the right person. <laughs> and I said, that's it. And the right person is Jesus. So Vila and I, we go on staff with crew together. We're on staff for seven years. We were at the University of Arkansas for two years. And then we were back at LSU where I had come to Christ and I will tell you, we look back at our time with crew and we just say, those were some of the most amazing years of our life. Mm, that's amazing. That is awesome. I know. I mean, same thing for us. I mean, when you look around and there's something so amazing about some 20-somethings, 19, 20-something, 21-year-olds just on fire for the Lord. Yeah. But they just believe very special. that anything is possible. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. Really, truly. Yes. Like this blind faith, you know. They're going to grow in some knowledge and wisdom along the way, but it's just so neat. It's just like, I believe God could do that, and let's go do it. It's just the neatest thing to be on the front lines of that. So cool you got to do that. And it's so cool to see how God – honors that faith, right? Mm -hmm. And he's not sitting there saying, you don't know enough. You need to know a little more like we kind of do when we progress in Christ and sometimes we're eye rolling. He's mm -hmm. just honoring that. And I'm telling you, there's guys around the country, pastors that I led to the Lord when I didn't know anything but to read a four spiritual laws booklet. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And that's and that's just the power of the Lord. Like he can do it, right? Through all people. If you're willing and you're available, he's gonna use you. So God opens this door. And is this kind of when you transition to your role at the church? 
So uh, we were on staff with Crusade for seven years, and we were always very connected to our local church. And I had a assistant pastor at a local church. His name was Carter. And Carter just kept saying, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in you. Mm. Those guys are the best. (laughs) Say one more time, Carter. (laughs) One more time. Yes. And I really had this passion to do what we were doing on staff with Crusade with our local church. Because Vila and I, we were when we were back there at LSU, we went to a church that had an old Billy Graham guy who was the pastor, and we would sit on the second to last row. We would turn around at the end of the service, say hello to the young couples behind us, invite them to lunch, share Christ with them, and then invite them to our small group. And we saw that thing multiply over five times. And that's what led us to seminary. So, okay. So when do you, when do you get end up on staff at, at the church? 22 years ago. I can't believe it's been that long. Wow. That is amazing. That's amazing. And you came on staff as the young adults pastor. Is that right? That's correct. And we had um, the staff, an amazing group of staff, and God was just doing something at that time, multiplying things. And this young adults group grows to about 750 people. And then we had a church split. Boom. Oh, wow. Wow. So you're, you're the young adults pastor and the church splits. What does that look like in your life? I mean, what are the conversations you're having with yourself? What are the conversations you're having with God? What are the conversations you're having with your wife? What does that look like? You're going to make me cry here because I'm remembering <laughs> people coming up to me after a Sunday morning and saying, Neil, we love you and we love Vila, but we're moving on. Mm. Wow. And we used to gather 50 young adult leaders in our home once a month. And I said to them, I said, this church may or may not make it. And I believe the time is now for you all to be a part of however God wants to resurrect this thing. And over time, prayer and really asking this group of young adults, they said, okay, we're going to quit doing what we're doing our little 750 group, and they said, we're going to become a part of just going to a worship service on a Sunday morning as a part of saying, we're going to be a, make sure God continues to do something at this church. And they did it, and they made sacrifices, and we started interviewing people to be the senior pastor. And I was actually doing some interviewing outside of the church, and at one point my wife said to me, Neil, I don't like this feeling of we're here and we're not here. And we need to either be all here or you need to just go ahead and go somewhere else. Mm. And through her, God really said to me, you are here till they bring somebody else. And then I had a guy in my life who I um, met him after he prayed for me every day for a year. And we started meeting. And at one point he said, Neil, it's nice that other churches are looking at you, isn't it? That's kind of flattering. (laughs) (laughs) And he's able to say things like that, and you feel loved, not corrected. (laughs) Oh, nice. And he said, I don't think God wants you to leave that church till at least you have a vision for it. Mm. And then I had a buddy who was doing ministry in Spain at a monastery. He was in that week, and I said, hey, brother, I'm going to come to Spain 
I got to have a week of prayer. And I bought a ticket to go to Spain on a Friday. Monday I went, and I stayed in that monastery for a week. While I was there, it was the first time in two years that the search committee actually considered me. Oh, wow. Now, you, had you ever put your name in? Had you ever said, like, I would like it? No, it was really clear that our church, it's been at Dallas for a long time. It's 67 years old, a, a great connection with Dallas Theological Seminary. But there was some really high expectations about our pastor was going to have been somebody who had already led a church of 5,000. Mm-hmm. It was going to be somebody who had written multiple books and had a doctorate, which I was none of those things. <laughs> and that's why I started the story with the turtle on a fence post. Mm. What a journey. So you come back and they're like, hey, by the way, we think you might be the guy. And you go on the journey. And I say, by the way, I have a 17-page document here that God gave me when I was in Spain. Oh, oh wow. wow. <laughs> so you, you're over there. You're getting vision going. Yes. I think I want to work here. And they and you come back and they're like, we think we want you to be the guy. Yes. And, you know, I presented it. I said, hey, here's what I know. God wants me to share this. And they came together and got unanimous. And then we had a, a church vote that went really well in light of all the split. And it was really a, an amazing move of God. That's such a great story. Wow. Oh, that is so awesome. Now, I got to ask, I mean, I'm always a big, I love leadership and all those sorts of things. What were some of the lessons that you learned, kind of big rocks you learned coming through that whole process? I mean, you know, you were the young adults pastor. Now you're the senior pastor. What does all of that look like? What were you standing and what are you learning along the way? <laughs> big, wow. big, big easy, just a little question there. No big deal. Okay. Here's one big one. I really was this naive I thought all I had to do was preach Jesus, follow Jesus, love Jesus, and in five years, we would be rocking and rolling. Mm. I had no idea about all the pain and scars that sometimes accompany a group of people that have been hanging out together for 60 years, right? Right. And I was a little shocked when people hated me just because I was in the position. Mm. And I was especially um, became aware that, you know what, Neil, you can't just read the books about vision and leadership and decide you have a timetable because God has a timetable. And it was at the 10-year mark that we had a moment that Sunday morning, and I thought, oh, the big giant battleship has finally turned. Wow. That's amazing. When those moments happen, you go, okay, God, like, you know, I mean, I think there's that place where you just go, okay, I guess the hearing, being patient and staying, God pays off. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. 10 crazy. That's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. And what I want to do is take a second and just kind of transition to this other amazing story that it looks like a lot of the world's going to get the opportunity to be a part of. And we want to talk about it. It starts with a hobby, a passion of yours, which is what? It's riding bikes or cycling. This really comes out of this thing of I just love being outside with men and often men and women. And it's taken the form of hiking. It's taken the form of taking people up 14ers in Colorado, 14,000 foot peaks, um, going backpacking, just taking a walk around this lake that's two miles from my house. And there's just something 
that I've seen happen with this unique passion of being outside, walking side by side, and men cracking open their lives in a way that doesn't always happen in the pastor's office. Mm. Mm -hmm. So tell us what specifically the dream is that God's given you. Tell us more about it. Yeah. So about 17 years ago, I'm in Colorado doing my thing, running a summer camp, taking people up these 14ers, sneaking off for a bike ride. And Vila used to, we had this Chevy conversion van that I would convince Vila to drive on of these four-wheel drive roads. It was not a four-wheel drive vehicle. And then she'd say, okay, Neil, I'm too scared to go f- further. I said, well, great. Drop me and my bike off right here. <laughs> and she would say, how are you going to get home? I don't know. I'll be home in about three hours. Wow. <laughs> and she dropped me off. And if I was five minutes late, I would say, were you worried about me? And she would always say, no, I wasn't <laughs> even thinking about it. So she never worried. But I was coming down off this trail one day, and there was this little fish hatchery pond, and there was a family there. And I just was thinking about, I wonder how they found this place. I wonder what makes them tick. I want to have a conversation with them about Jesus today. And then I thought, you know what I want to do? I want to just travel the country having conversations about Jesus, just doing the thing that I'm doing, but really just travel the country and actually record it in some way, write some book about it. So that was the genesis of this dream. Wow. And that was how long ago? 17 years. (laughs) My goodness. So what gave you the courage to finally commit to going public with it, going for it and making it happen? Great word. (laughs) because this has been part of the battle for me, the courage to go for that dream. Um, Part of my story is, you know, I grew up in a a home where we valued work and riding a bike was not work. And I loved working. I'm an achiever. And so I, I battled with, is this really work taking people backpacking and biking and all these things? And there's a couple things that happened. One, I had dreamed about doing this thing called the Leadville 100 mountain bike race, which that's a crazy deal. I dreamed about doing that for 17 years. Well, my daughter beat me to it, one of my daughters. She did it. I was on her pit crew. And when after being that and getting that close and experiencing it, I said, okay, I'm going to do it now. So because of her, I did it. I had another daughter who said, Dad, your struggles with Leadville? And I didn't finish twice. This year I finished. She looks me in the eye and she says, I think it's a spiritual issue, Dad. Mm -hmm. Wow. Come on. Out of the mouth of babes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I kind of laugh and I said, bring it on. And she started addressing some of those lies that I believed and have believed and have battled with about Don't say you're the weakest person. Don't say God's not interested in this. And that's been a whole amazing journey. And so I finally started saying, you know what? I'm going to go for this. And Veal and I started talking about it last year. And then the first thing that happened was we came up with a seven-year vision for our church just uh, this past January. And the vision is this. We want to be a church that is having thousands of surprisingly easy-to-start conversations about Jesus all over our city. 
because, you know, churches like ours in Dallas, sometimes I'll speak for our church. It's easy to say, we're going to have a great show on Sunday morning, and the people that are unhappy at the last church come to this church. Right. And it is, it is time for the church in America to get back to the mission mm-hmm. that we discovered in Campus Crusade of we get the privilege and the joy to tell people about the most important thing in our life. Mm-hmm. So out of that vision, I thought, you know what? This is the time. I got to quit fooling around, going on this conversations coast to coast across the United States. I want to do this for a couple reasons. One, to just give our church something to feel really excited about, joyful about, and that it's not our seven-year vision, it's not going to be a grind. It's going to be the most exciting risk we've ever taken for Jesus. And then to not go as the expert and people say, here's how Neil shares his faith. I want to help people think about what is the person I'm talking to thinking and feeling. And that really it's a journey and we're going to learn more about the people that God is bringing into our lives to have conversations about Jesus with. Well, I love that as the leader of the church, that you're passionate about the vision and not only are you just teaching people to do it, but you're actually doing it yourself. And so are you starting to ask that question to people now before you hit the road and hit the journey? Because this journey starts when? When do you start the ride? Uh, the end of May 2019, and we're gonna, it's going to be about 35 days, and we're going to end June 29th. Very cool. So I'm imagining, and like you said, you're doing it now. Are you starting to see some of the fruit come forward as you ask those questions and encounter people in this way? So I'll tell you the first thing I did to prepare for this. I personally set a goal to talk to 200 people about this idea of having conversations about Jesus all over our city before I ever really do a public sermon series on it in January. I've talked to 117 people so far. And here's what I've seen in the eyes of believers that I know have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. I've seen this hesitant expectation and some fear in that hesitancy. But I also see this desire because, of course, we know the Holy Spirit wants to lift up Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants to empower us. So that's been a really important thing just as a basis for this to see people want this to happen. Mm-hmm. And as I've traveled around, and I, you know, I got to, to record this one conversation with a guy in Salida, Arkansas. His name is Josh Ben. He's an artist. And here's what I found. People are thinking about this stuff. We can sometimes think, oh, people aren't thinking about spiritual things. They don't want to talk about it. I'm telling you, this dude, he had thought about this so much, I came away convicted about my own attitude when I go talk to people. Because sometimes I think, I'm the pastor. I've been to Dallas Theological Seminary. I've thought about this more than he has. That guy, at the end of time, you know what he said? We both said, let's go backpacking together for a few days, and we'll get to talk about this the whole time. Well, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And so, I mean, I imagine that this is probably one of the biggest hopes you have for this project. What is your hope for this project? You ride around the country and you engage different individuals in different states and whatever kind of conversation comes up, what is your hope for this project? You know, I hope 
that one, just that we would have multiple significant conversations every day that we can capture, that people can see it, and that it would cause people that I have conversations with to think and maybe even challenge their preconceived notions of Christians and what they want to do to them. And I hope for our people and our body, they would see, you know what? Conversations about Jesus brings joy. It's fun. And that also for Neil Tomba, as well as everybody else, that I would learn as an initiator of spiritual conversations what I can do better what I need to change when I'm engaging people in those conversations. And, you know, I hope that a book and a Netflix-quality documentary comes out of this that would actually be helpful for people who are believers in Jesus and even for people who are not believers in Jesus. I'm not sure how that will happen, but I really hope that comes out of this. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm sure that people are very excited and interested hearing you talk about it. Where can they follow along with you on this journey and keep up to date with what you're doing? Yes. So we launched a website, neiltomba.org, and you can go there and you can follow along. There's actually, when you go under cycling tour, there's a map right now that we're going to make that live when I go so people can actually follow. And I hope that this actually launches a prayer movement for the church to be praying for conversations about Jesus with people over those 30 to 35 days. And then there's a place in there you can support it by praying, following, donating, or even buying a t-shirt that has a bike on the United States and says, hashtag conversations coast to coast. Awesome. Very cool. Well, if you don't mind me asking, what's the route? Where are you starting and where are you driving through and where are you ending up? We're starting in Santa Monica, California. Okay. And then we're going to go through West Texas and make our way north to get by Washington, D.C. and end in Annapolis, Maryland. Wow. That is going to be so much fun. Well, we're cheering you on and uh, so honored to be able to share this. And and we know our listeners are going to be cheering you on as well. Now, before we close out, we love to kind of do some three rapid fire questions we throw at you. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) All right, here we go. Here they go. What is a book that's changed your life? What's a habit that's changed your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you? So let's start with it. What's a book that's changed your life? Okay, the book Shadow of the Almighty, The Life and Testament of Jim Elliott, written by his wife, Elizabeth Elliott. Nice. We haven't had that one before. That's that's good. That's a new one. Great. And, you know, he was a a guy who was taking risks because he loved Jesus and he knew loving Jesus was more than just listening to sermons. And I love his quote, he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's good. Yeah. That's great. Nice. I love that. All right. Well, the second question, what's a habit that's changed your life? Okay. This comes out of a lot of time hanging out with people on mountains and riding around the lake. And I'm going to say it this way, intentional, safe relationships where we are practicing answering this question. What is the one thing you don't want anyone to know about you today? And you know, you know what that is? It's really just practicing community, confession, and being known. Because you know what? I don't want to be a pastor who one day somebody says, wow, we didn't even know, Neil. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know what was going on in his life. And I need people speaking into my life that way. 
because that's where growth happens. Yeah, that's good. I love that. Okay, and what advice would you give to the younger Neil? It is okay to ask for help. Oh, that's good. That's very good. And that God is actually pleased Mm. when we ask for help. We have a thing we talk about here, desperate dependence on Jesus. And that's not a very um, sexy term for Dallas, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) And people tell me, I don't like that. I say, I don't like it either when I'm actually really living in it. But I know this, I need more help than I think I do. And sometimes desperate dependence on Jesus looks like help from others. That's great. So good. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Just one more time. Where can people follow you again? The website, social media, all those things. So you can find me on Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter. Just go Neil Tomba. And then to follow our ride, hashtag conversations coast to coast. Awesome. Very cool. Well, we'll be looking for you, cheering you on. I mean, we'll stand on the side of the road and wave wave some flags (laughs) or something. Really, really thankful to meet you, man. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Chris and Jenny. What a fun dream. Yeah, I love that he's just grabbing the courage to go for it after 17 years. It's never too late to go for a dream, right? That's right. So cool. All right. And we also want to make sure that we give a shout out to (laughs) Neil's cycling team, the Rock Riders. Guys, keep riding. Keep cheering Neil on as he gets ready for his big journey. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for listening today. We hope this episode blessed you and we would love to hear from you. Take a minute to leave us a review on iTunes or come find us on social media. We love hearing how these conversations are speaking to you. And also you can find all of the information for today's episode, all the books and links mentioned on our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com. That's right. Well, that's a wrap for episode 35. Yep. All right, let's close it out like we always do. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.